ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, not of the jury, this is not a trial. <laughs> I want to introduce you to somebody today that um, this is a special edition of Love Creativity. We're going to bring the love and, and we're going to talk about the creativity. But um, because of this um, COVID-19, I think it's important that we talk to Coach Liz today uh, because she is an integral part of the healthcare community. Um, and and the, that deeper sense, uh, she deals with the mind. She deals with um, coaching and therapy. She's a therapist um, in health and human services. She works with a number of companies that you very well know and probably are involved with these companies every day. I won't call a name, but I want to, Coach Liz, do I have you on the phone? Yes, here I am. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I am magnificent, wonderful, and marvelous, and all those other things that go with those words. Good yes. deal. <laughs> Listen, I um, really want to just jump in here and ask you some, um, some hard questions. Um, first of all, when I say love, I'm talking about a latitudinal compassion, a liberal love attitude. This is true love. One to feel the need to encourage and lift others up spiritually, psychologically, financially, in wisdom or action. Number two, the unchangeable aspiration that results in a commitment to behave in a lasting effort, to serve in ways that are good for, needed by, and in the best interest of the other person or persons. Number three, and oneself. Number four, it's altruism. Number five, is compassionate, magnanimous behavior. Number six, the desire that converts to action to prepare oneself and one's situation to be of the best optimistic benefit for self and others. Number seven, it is the highest power. What tips do you have for people struggling with the COVID-19 pandemic? Let's start there. So first of all, you know, looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the most important thing is to be well and safe. So, you know, if you're not well and safe, reach out for support. The, the heart of the world, and in particular America, because that's where we are, is open right now. People are more giving now than they've been since our last disaster. So reach out for support, let somebody know if you're struggling. That's number one. And then moving up the hierarchy of needs, um, if you're able, um, well, let me, let, me, let me step back for a second. The, the next most important thing is to be well emotionally. So if you're struggling with anxiety or worry or panic or depression or any kind of um, mental challenge, again, reach out for support. Um, reach out to your immediate support network. And if that's not enough, reach out beyond that. Um, and and we, we can talk some more about that later if you'd like. But then finally, you know, at the tip of the hierarchy, if you're able, help someone else. Extend a hand in any way that you can, whether that's financially, emotionally, offer some encouragement. 
um, e even if it's just, you know, a smile as you pass six feet away from someone while you're out walking, um, acknowledge the other person. You know, when we have physical distancing, it's tempting to distance emotionally too. And we, we, we need to watch for that tendency and, and beat it. You know, yes, stay six feet away, but still wave and smile and um, in any way that you can reach out. We see people sewing masks and donating food and volunteering at food banks and uh, giving money. So in, in whatever way you can do that, I encourage people to reach out. So uh, that's just a kind of a broad thumbnail of, of to, to kind of answer that question. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I've, um, through the years, um, my brother was shot and killed about 14 year old. And, um, you know, I went looking for the killer, not to kill the guy or, or get any revenge, but I, I was a teacher with uh, Peace Education and the National Coalition Building Institute, and I was doing workshops and teaching songwriting, positive message songwriting, so that message would repeat over and over. And I made a commitment to myself. To every, if I got a, a glimpse of an eye contact with someone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smile and I'm gonna speak to them. I'm gonna say, how you doing? You know, and just to encourage that human connection that I value you as a person. So yeah, I see what you're saying. That's so important to, you know, let people give, give that feeling of comfort. Just simply say hi, you know, right. or a wave or something. Right. You know? So let me ask you this. Um, and, and I want to go back in a, in a bit and tell people a little bit more about who you are and what you do, but I want you to tell them. So, but, but before we get there, I want to ask you, what message do you want people that I'm sure a lot of people going through this situation have a lot of anxiety. So, so what would you tell them? So I, I, I wear a lot of hats, but one of them is uh, as an anxiety coach slash therapist. So I, I have dug deep into the world of anxiety and researched a lot and have a lot of tools and support to share with people. So one thing I would say universally is anxiety tends to be about future thinking. So it's, it involves worry. It, it involves projection, um, you know, anticipation, uh, assuming, fortune telling, uh, mind reading. These, these are all thinking traps that the human brain is really good at falling into. You know, our furry friends, dogs and cats don't do much of this. They just live in the moment. They're just there. They, they, if, they, if they need their back scratched, they'll come up and let you know. If they're hungry, they'll let you know. But they don't fall into these common human thinking traps. And these thinking traps tend to fuel anxiety. Uh, so we do well as humans to make a conscious effort to live in the moment, to catch ourselves when we're tempted to fortune tell and, and mind reading, project, especially with something as huge as a pandemic. No one knows exactly when this thing will simmer down and, and what that will look like and, and what life will look like after that. It, I can promise you it'll be very different, but one step at a time, right? What is, what is the next best thing to do for the next right reason? And that's the thing to focus on, the here and now and the next thing. 
Sure, we need to plan for the future. Sure, we need to, you know, figure out when we're going to go to the grocery store, how we're going to make this happen or that need happen. I'm not saying don't plan and don't think about the future, but when that thinking goes from being productive and helpful to overthinking, I call it the looping thinking brain, when you start getting into that, that's fuel for anxiety. And, and that's the balancing point. That's what you want to watch for. And then there's a whole strategy of tools you can use to prevent the brain from going there. <laughs> well, I want to I know more about that. I'm, I'm going to save that, though for a little bit later, because I want, I want people to know how to get to those tools and, and what, you know, how, how to use them. But, but we're, a lot of us are at home right now. And because of the uh, self, um, this, this, this um, pandemic has, has really caused a lot of um, shutdowns and, and, and school closings and, and job layoffs and, and working from home and that type of thing. So, so you have parents at home with their children, with their teens, and you know how teens can be. They're, they're a little bit, you know, they've, they've got a size, but their, their feelings haven't caught up with their, their size. You know, they still have some oops feelings. But so how would you tell, what would you say to parents and teens in how, how could they best deal with this situation? So, yes, there are the di different developmental age groups, there's going to be a different answer for each of those, but teens in particular, you know, especially the older teens, they, they are on the edge of adulthood, right, just a couple of years away. And so a, a time like this is a great opportunity, and by the way, I think we should always be looking for the silver linings of a of a, a tragedy like this pandemic, because there are a lot of them. But one of them is, it's an opportunity because families are physically together and teens aren't hanging out with their friends, at least you know, physically, they're associating virtually, but it's an opportunity to partner. It's an opportunity to say to the teen, you know, normally I would design the chore chart of the month for you, this, let's do that differently. Let's all sit down together and let's all have input on this. How, how can we make this work best for everyone in the family? So that's just a short example. And that sounds like um, you create a family team and, exactly. and everybody becoming a team player. Exactly. Sounds, that's a wonderful thing right there. I, I like it. Um, so, so, you, so you would give that team a leadership role and, and the pen and the paper and say this this is what I think and here's what you should do mom and here's what you should do dad and and they could have a discussion on that issue right have have a board meeting right <laughs> and and a vote <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so so now this brings me to something really crucial here because the report is I watched a doctor talking to Miley Cyrus a few days ago and um, his report really hurt my feelings because my brother was diagnosed. He was a pre-diabetic. And um, I'd like for you to talk with him as well, but um, diabetics, the report was diabetics are the ones hit 
hardest uh, or any pre-medical uh, condition, but diabetics, people with heart conditions, and so on. So I'd, I'd like for you to give a little advice to diabetics um, and people working with diabetics. What would you say? Well, side note, you must know me well because you've already, you're hitting on two <laughs> of the hats that I wear, uh, actually three, working with people with anxiety, working with teens and working with diabetics. Those are my, the top three hats that I wear the most often. So, hmm, I wonder how you knew that, but <laughs> let me get back to the point. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, Diabetics, uh, especially type 2, I'm going to speak specifically to type 2 diabetics. Um, so, and, and this is true for, for other people as well, not just diabetics, but in a stressful situation like this pandemic, the stress hormone cortisol tends to be elevated. When we're stressed, the, that hormone is elevated, and that hormone does a couple things. It, it increases the body's tendency to hold body fat, especially around the belly area, uh, and especially for women. And it also increases inflammation in the body. Inflammation in the body is not good for anyone, but especially someone who has a chronic underlying condition like high, hypertension or um, thyroid disorder and certainly diabetes. So one thing that is very helpful for diabetics is to be aware of that and be intentional about decreasing inflammation in the body. And that can be done by nutrition, exercise, and being intentional about managing stress. So um, th those are the three major areas where I, I, I know for a fact diabetics can make a difference, not only in, in lowering their inflammation in their body, but subsequently managing their blood glucose levels and their A1C levels better. So again, this pandemic is an opportunity to really focus on that for a lot of people. A lot of people are not working right now or working less, they're home more, they have time to research, contemplate, strategize, plan, educate themselves and create a shift in their relationship with food, a shift in their relationship with exercise, even if it's just getting outside and walking more, six feet away, waving and smiling at your neighbor, but exercising more and practicing some strategies, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit here to, to mitigate stress and decrease anxiety. You know, while, while we're on this though, um, exercise, eating well and, and uh, minimizing stress. Let's let's get into that a little bit more because I think as as if there are diabetics listening or if you are listening and you know a diabetic, please at this point you want to point that uh, meter, that button that says we're at two minutes and thirty nine seconds or wherever we are. Let them hear this because Liz, I think you have uh, some great tools. I've I've like I said, I've I've seen some of the things that you do and and I want you to talk about that real quick. Well, not real quick, but um, explain some of the tools they can use to uh, minimize. And, and here's why I know this is important. Here's why I know this works, because when I created that educational program for uh, peace education and the, and the coalition uh, 
uh, Coalition <coughs> Institute. Um, what I was doing at first, I was teaching school. And I taught everybody from preschool to high school, some college, but um, college students rather. But um, what I know to be a fact is anything repeated over and over, it becomes, you may not even like it at first. And if it's intentional or unintentional, what's gonna happen is it's gonna become a part of your thinking. You're gonna remember that and you're gonna think about it. And you're gonna think about it more. If you see it more, you're gonna think about it more. And then it's gonna become a habit of your thinking. And if you're not careful, it's gonna become second nature. In other words, you're gonna do that or you're gonna think about it automatically. It's just gonna happen. So you can on purpose program yourself to do things that will help you. And I think most people know this, but some it's not top of mind for a lot of people. So I just want to put that out there. And I want you to be on the back of that, I want you to give a few um, minimizing stress techniques here, please. Okay, it sounds like a two-part question um, specific to, to diabetics, what they can do to create some shifts and then just some anxiety management techniques in general. Okay. So I'll start with the, the diabetics. Um, some things that I encourage people with diabetes to focus on is to get real clear in, in terms of nutrition, to get real clear on what foods contain carbohydrates and how those carbohydrates affect the blood glucose levels. Um, you can have a food with a carbohydrate and you don't even think it does, like um, certain vegetables. Um, you think, oh, vegetables are great. Well, they are, but some vegetables have more carbohydrates than others. So it's really great to do your research and get clear on how much carbohydrates certain foods have, especially the ones you eat routinely. It's important to track foods, um, it, you know, at least for a period of time until you're really familiar with the amount of carbohydrates in, in each food. So actually keeping a log of that is, is a great way to go. And um, understanding how those carbohydrates impact your blood glucose levels. And you're really only gonna be super smart about that if you're tracking that, um, at least for a period of time until you get real familiar with that exercise. So, so you mean I should put a date and a number or whatever the item down and, and just keep a notebook of that? Keep a notebook. There's uh, electronic online tracking systems. Um, in, in the program that I, uh, the eight weeks um, program that I offer myself and my nutritionist friend, Lauren, um, we offer, we have an actual tracking tool. Um, you can either write on it or type on it, but it doesn't matter what, just some system to where you're seeing what you're eating, the number of carbohydrates and your blood glucose levels because they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Exercise. Um, adding healthy foods are great, but you have to move your body. Um, we recommend at least, at least doing some relatively fast-paced walking, 30 minutes, at least five days a week, if you're able. If you're not, if there's some physical challenges, you, you can move your body in different ways, even do some chair exercises. 
and there's no lack of resources, especially now in the pandemic. How many physical trainers are sidelined right now? They're online teaching and, and oftentimes free. Uh, go to YouTube, um, type in whatever exercise you want to do. You'll have videos for days. So again, no lack of resources. But scheduling that in your, your calendar is really important because it's easy to put off, put off. Oh, now it's dinner time. Oh, now it's nighttime. Too bad I couldn't exercise today. <laughs> I know I've been there. It's really important to schedule that and have some accountability and some support and whatever that looks like for you. And then stress management is yeah. very, very important. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about that earlier. So getting clear on what your stressors are, uh, which you can control and take action on, and having clarity about what you cannot control and you need to work at letting go. That's a very important skill set to have. So you're saying getting clear on what your stressors are, meaning knowing what is going to upset you before not waiting until you're upset but knowing what may upset you before it comes and being prepared for it when it comes so how do you do that well there's that and then there's getting clear on chronic stressors that maybe you've been tolerating you know mm -hmm. maybe uh, here's just a minor example of that Maybe you have a, a broken towel rack in your bathroom and every time you hang your towel up, it slips and you get a little frustrated and, but you just leave it and walk away and you come in another time and it slips and you get frustrated and you walk away. That's a silly example of a chronic stressor and tolerating chronic stressors. Well, you know where that goes. So yeah. you're better off to get clarity on that and say, I know it's a little thing, but I'm going to go get the screwdriver out or I'm going to go ask for some help and we're going to fix this. We're not going to tolerate something that we have the control to fix. And as to your other question, you know, stressors that, that kind of pop up at you, uh, it, that makes a case for, for managing the stress you do have control over because when, when you're managing things as they come up and dealing with them and have some good stress management coping skills, when those things kind of come out of the blue, you're, you're better suited, better grounded and able to handle those things. Wow. Yeah. So um, let me dig a little deeper here because you've shared some knowledge, um, you know, some, without getting into actual therapy, you shared some knowledge that um, I think is very valuable for people, but you, you, you're in several different areas. Let me ask you, why are you in so many different areas? What, what you, <laughs> what's that about? Because I'm old and I've done a lot of things in my life. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. I, I, I spent uh, the first maybe third of my social work career working with kids, um, mm -hmm. specifically kids that were in a, the juvenile court system, you know, delinquent children and their families. And then I spent another chunk of my career working with um, people that had type 2 diabetes and helping them manage that. Um, not so much the medical aspect of it, but the psychological aspect, you know, changing lifestyle patterns, lifestyle behaviors 
those are the hardest things to change. If you can learn to give yourself an insulin shot, you can learn to test your blood glucose levels pretty easily, but making sweeping lifestyle changes is difficult, but it can be done. There, there are ways to do that. So I really enjoyed that, that chunk of my career. And more recently, I'm working with a lot of people that are struggling with anxiety. I mean, a lot of people. So, I mean, there's what, what, uh, name, name some of the, you don't have to name them. I know as a therapist, that's against the rules, but what categories of people you're talking about here? So with the anxiety, uh, well, let me back up. Obviously with the kids, uh, with the juveniles, it was mostly teenagers and their, their parents. Uh, with the, the type 2 diabetics, a lot of middle-aged to older age folks. And the anxiety, you know, we all struggle with anxiety, especially in a pandemic. But the majority of my clients right now are in their 30s, 40s, um, it, it, you know, working in the tech industry, service industry. Uh, there are workforce. There are workforce right now. And, you know, they're, they play an important role, as you see in watching the news, people that are, that are in, in, in the trenches, so to speak, serving us food and, you know, uh, making sure the, the tech wheels keep turning. So the tech wheels, you're talking um, low income, middle income, high income, uh, deep thinkers, um, low thinkers. <laughs> To say, I'm going to say all of the above. It's people, people that have a lot on their plate. They're working full time. Now they're a school teacher at home to their young children. Uh, they have elderly parents that they're worried about and, and you know, trying to support. Um, they have a lot on their plate. That's what they have in common. So, so this show, to back it up, back it up, back it up. <laughs> This show is about love and creativity, and you've shared a lot of love. And, and that, you know, in the intro, I talk about what love is, and, and it's really love is really about taking care of those things that you have um, access to take care of. You may not be totally in charge of it, you may be, you know, but you have the opportunity to do something to help. So you've, you've done a lot of that on this uh, podcast, and I really appreciate you for sharing the love. Uh, but let's move over into creativity for a minute. And your creativity has played a role in your being in so many different areas. Um, so I wonder, how do you, let, let, me, let me get you to share this, some of this with the audience. How do you use your creativity? I know you are the co-founder of AskCoachLeas.com. And uh, will you tell us a bit about how you use your creativity or how, how you have used your creativity to um, create and grow your business. So being a therapist, I go to a, a lot of conferences for continuing ed credits, and I listen to these speakers who are scientists, basically, in their area. So I'll take anxiety for an example. I attended an online conference recently where this clinician uh, shared a lot of good knowledge about anxiety, but she, she used lingo 
you know, an inside language that the average person wouldn't even know what she's talking about. So the way I demonstrate love to other people is I, I take that kind of information and I format it in a way that the average person can absorb it and use it and, and put it to use right away. So just one example, um, we had talked about some of the tools that people can use to manage anxiety. And so I created a document um, of those common thinking traps that the human brain likes to fall into and, and, and give some you know, easy to digest examples. Um, so that, that's one tool. And I, so I, that's how I manifest love is to take what I know works and format it in a way that people can grab a hold of it and put it to use and get immediate results. That's a, a combination of love and creativity all in one ball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, let me ask you, um, so, so with that said, I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to restate, but let, let me just be clear. Who is your audience? Who, who is your target market and type of content that you provide? You told us a little bit about that there, but expand more on that. So uh, my audience in, in terms of the eight weeks to personal brilliance online teen coaching program is teenagers. My audience with the eight weeks um, to, to better nutrition for diabetics are type 2 diabetics, especially the newly diagnosed type 2 diabetics. That's mm -hmm. the best time to make some good lifestyle changes when you're first diagnosed and motivated, most motivated for change. Mm -hmm. And with the anxiety, I don't know a person who really can't. <laughs> most people can benefit from that, but I am off reaching out to people that are serving us so well but really burdened with all the responsibility that they carry. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Thank you for doing that. Um, I really, I'm sure they appreciate it as well, but I really appreciate it um, because if they're happy and comfortable, I know we'll be taken right. care of. You know, right. um, the more of them that break down, you know, we're seeing it on the news, the more mm -hmm. of them that that's opportunity we have to get what we need. So it's best, you know, I, I'm staying at home and, you know, I've been secluded for a good time now. And I hope other people are doing the same. But um, so, so it's, it's, it's just obvious. That, but let me ask you, what outcomes do you expect the people you work with to have or to achieve? It, it sounds so simple, but really it's contentment. It's happiness and peace of mind and a competence that I can achieve this goal that I have in mind for myself. Uh, for, for the teenagers, I, I, I can feel heard by my family. I feel a mutual respect among the team, player, team players in this family. I feel like I'm a contributing important member of this team slash family. For, for diabetics, I am managing my blood glucose levels the very best that I can. I have a whole tool belt of tips and strategies and uh, education and knowledge about what are the best foods for my body. Uh, how can I best move my body on a regular basis so that 
I, I'm at the weight I want to be, and I have the strength that I want to have, and I, I, I feel good about taking charge of the diabetes and possibly even reversing it. With the, the folks who are... That's the question that they would be asking themselves or the statement they would be making to themselves, right? If they can reverse their diabetes? Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, in, you know, I, I'm going to be interviewing um, uh, a man from Louisville, Ken, Kentucky, a, a barber, owns a barber shop, who did just that. And he's just one of millions. Uh, but I, I want to bring a personal example to the forefront. So, so that's to come. And, and then with anxiety, I, my, my gift is for them to realize a lot of their anxiety is um, anticipatory anxiety. And they don't have to do that. And I show them how. They, they, walk, they walk away with, a, again, a tool belt of strategies for living in a way that they're very present and um, grounded and at peace, despite chaos around them. That is so important because, um, you know, they used to laugh at me. <laughs> I sang in the choir um, from, you know, like six years old on up to, um, to my mid-teens. And we would travel and sing around, you know, different places, different states. And, and the bus was crowded. You can imagine bus crowded with a bunch of teenagers. Everybody's throwing paper and laughing and talking and joking and screaming and mad and happy and whatever. I lay my head over on the, on the window and just go sleep. I that was within myself, you know, I didn't expect it from anybody else. And, and I think I'm still like that today. I try to be anyway, um, you know, giving people as much respect as possible. And I think that helps the body regulate a certain um, uh, self-maintaining uh, system. Um, but let me, let me ask you this, switch subjects real quick. Your voice is um, really, you have, you have a great, you have great diction. So somebody listening to you speak may think she's strict. She's, you know, this has to be like this and that. And so, but when you're working with people, what's your style? How do you work with people? Working so what's, what's most important to me is to be a good listener <clears throat> and <clears throat> set aside my judgments because we all have them mm -hmm. and be as open-minded to really hearing what people are saying and that's a skill set that's something to really work at and i'm far from perfect but i'm pretty good at it and that that i would say is my style um trying to uh be chill actually and <laughs> open-minded to, to really hearing what people are saying and then honoring their truth mm -hmm. while interpreting things that I think would be helpful for them and sharing information that I think would be helpful. So, so you can laugh with them, you can empathize this, you're more of a friendly mm -hmm. situation, more of a friendly and casual situation in working. Right, right. 
Right. So I'm not Dr. Merriweather. I'm Liz. <laughs> cool. Cool. So, um, and I'm not a doctor anyway. <laughs> well, that's well. When you're dealing with the mind, the mind regulates everything else, and you know, and there's another mind under the mind which empowers the mind. That's the heart. A lot of people don't realize the heart does some signaling, but yes, it does. Um, so we talked about the love I mentioned in the intro, and you, you're intentionally using it to take care of your clients. So speak more about that. You, you talk about listening, active listening, and that, that's an element or that's a function of love right there. Um, give, give me some more on that. Well, love is action in, in my book. So that means um, honoring my commitments to my clients, being respectful to, and not just my clients, people, people. And, um, being a good listener, offering what I have that may be helpful to them, respecting if they're not interested or they aren't ready, uh, honoring that, uh, encouraging, offering support, cheerleading, celebrating the successes. So really, you know, walking down that path with them until they say, I'm good. Thank you so much. I wish you well. Cool, cool. So there has to be a reason that you are like this. What's, what's your why? Oh, well, you know, my dad told me to go study computer programming. And I wish on the one hand I had listened to him because I'd be doing very well right now if I were a software engineer. But I just really wasn't interested. And I ended up kind of falling into social work by, by without even really thinking about it. I just was drawn to those kind of classes, and here's why. When I was a kid, my parents would have these dinnertime debates, and they'd talk politics, or they would argue about something, and guess who was mediating? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I was a little Lizzie social worker when I was eight years old, and it just never stopped. Wow. Anything you're exposed to over and over. Mm -hmm. After a while, <laughs> you get good at it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let me ask you, what can others um, with the symbol of passion that you might that you have that um, they they want to be who you are, they want to go where you've gone, what could they do to get started? Well, it's a whole different world now from when I got started. So I one of my first college graduate level college courses was in how to use the internet in a computer. <laughs> so <laughs> they all have a jump on me. You know, research it, talk to people, express your interest, um, look for mentors, um, take classes, and just seek out that information. It's there sitting there waiting for you. In fact, right now, uh, during the pandemic, there's opportunities for free learning. So sign up for that stuff, study it, go to our good friend Google and um, take advantage of what's out there. Yeah, yeah, there are so many Google, I went to Google this morning and it took like 10, 15 minutes for it to open, so many people on it. So don't forget there are so many um, search engines. Um, there's Safari, there's Firefox and mm -hmm. there's Explorer, but um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. There is so much that can be 
learned there are people who have quit college, dropped out of college, and become CEOs of large super, super global companies like Facebook yes. and Google. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of personal learning to be done. So let me ask you, how can people get in touch with you? If they want some of what you do, um, what can they do to learn more? You know, I, I'm on a lot of socials, but I would say go to Facebook and like the page, Ask Coach Liz. Ask Coach Liz is the page. And if you're interested in getting some support with anxiety, I offer a private Facebook group called Hack Anxiety. Hack Anxiety. And I'd be happy to invite you into that group. And in the very near future, I'm going to be opening up a diabetes support group. So um, it's called Nutrition for Diabetes Support. And we are going to very shortly be opening that up for membership, Nutrition for Diabetes Support Group. And, and that's a free Facebook group as well. Okay, great, great. So is there a way that people can um, get on the waiting list for that? So, you know what? I'll go ahead and open it up today. Um, it, just know that it's not totally built out yet because I don't want anybody to wait. Um, we're also opening up, and, and I will do that today as well, a group for parents of teenagers. And the name of that group is Out of the Box Parenting. And again, the name of that group is Out of the Box Parenting. Okay. So, you know, this has been a great interview, a great um, question and answer period. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for um, being so giving here of your time. And um, I, I have a, when I, you know, we do these applications, there is a, um, actually, I know you so well because I'm one of your, um, I'd say, staff members. <laughs> um, I'm the creative director for building your websites. And, um, you know, this is who I work for. I, want to, I didn't want to introduce that at first, but I need to introduce it now so that, you know, you have, we have full disclosure here. And um, there is a website, askcoachliz.com, intuitive eating for diabetics. Um, there's some information that you can get if you're a diabetic, if you know someone that's a diabetic at that website, that is askcoachliz.com forward slash intuitive eating for diabetics. Um, get in touch, get the download, and let's move forward, stay healthy, and um, keep living and loving and use your creativity because the bottom line is this whole world revolves around love. Thank you, Liz, and we will see you the next time. Take care. Bye-bye. When I say love, I'm talking about a latitudinal compassion, a liberal love attitude. This is true love. One, to feel the need to encourage and lift others up spiritually, psychologically, financially, in wisdom or action. Number two, the unchangeable aspiration that results in a commitment to behave in a lasting effort. 
to serve in ways that are good for, needed by, and in the best interest of the other person or persons. Number three, and oneself. Number four, it's altruism. Number five, it's compassionate, magnanimous behavior. Number six, the desire that converts to action to prepare oneself and one situation to be of the best optimistic benefit for self and others. Number seven, it is the highest power.